Welcome today to Practical Rambling Fathers. Good morning. Good morning. We wish we had more coffee than we do currently. But Amen to that. We can go get some shot of espressos. So, but today we want to talk about the kerygma uh, slash maybe biblical view of the world. Um, and so to condense, to catch us all up, uh, where we're at in all of creation, uh, to start off in Genesis, because our lives in time aren't, um, aren't really right, uh, yeah, train of thoughts are going everywhere. That's okay. But first, before we go any further, we have got to find kerygma. Kerygma. Kerygma is a Greek word, right? Greek word. Greek word means the preaching, the proclamation of the good news of the Lord Jesus, his saving actions, the coming of the kingdom of God, which invites hearers to conversion and eternal life. Dang. All right. It is also the initial ardent proclamation by which a person is one day overwhelmed and brought to the decision to entrust himself to Jesus Christ by faith. That was John, St. John Paul II. In Catechesis Tridiatzi, the catechist in our time. It is also mm -hmm. the germ cell energy source and absolute core of the Christian faith. So once again, the Kerygma is really proclaiming the gospel message. What is the core belief of how this all came to be, right? That God yep. loves us, creates us from the beginning. It made his image and likeness and because um, of his love for us that we that we are humans are imperfect we sought a different love so we turn our backs away from God and with that emerges Satan and sin and so we've been we've been captured in that state it wasn't until God decided to send his only son Jesus to save us and bring us out of that captivity and to liberate us and so that we could be with him Right, so going back to that whole Genesis thing, <clears throat> you know, creation, right? So in creation in Genesis, we were created in paradise. We were, humanity was walking, that's what Adam means, is humanity, man, humanity. Um, and so creation uh, was in harmony with God. And then, and in that, right, creation came about while there was nothing. So a simple question, why is there something rather than nothing? Why is there a tree versus no tree? Why is my life my life versus uh, not being in existence? So that very philosophical question of why am I even here? So creation, essentially what creation, right, is God's love for us. He's outside of space and time, which we only experience space and time until... Well, we pretty much always experience space and time. And God creates space, time, creation, creates everything. And I am loved in existence. The other, my existence is God's love for me. And that's the understanding, that's the Christian understanding of who God is. It's his ultimate love. And he creates not because he needs to, but because he wants to, because he loves exactly. us. He loves the world. He loves. And so that he creates us to exist. And that's the dynamic of starting off, which is total c 
um, cult there is totally different than all other origin stories. If we want to call origin stories, origin stories, all other origin stories, like the Greek gods or all the mythologies that were back in the day, all of them, <clears throat> the human race could have come out of uh, destruction, out of violence. The gods were like us, you know, lowercase gods were like us. Uh, they fought amongst themselves. Chaos. Yeah, exactly. Life came out of chaos. And the Christian, uh, Christian God, God himself, he didn't create out of chaos. He created out of a love for uh, creation. So, so, yeah, so he's throwing harmony. So then Three he asked the question, why is everything so messed up? Why is there sin in the world? Why is there all these different elements that we can clearly see the world is is messed up and and we don't do what we what we want to do even um, but we always have this argument inside of us about what's the good yep and that all happens with the emergence of sin we all know the story of adam and eve right you know god says you can eat from everything from the tree except for this one tree you know, it's the same thing like when, when any of you who have younger siblings, when you take care of them, and you tell them, don't do this, what do they do? They focus solely on the things that they can't do. And then uh, I'm stressing that so much is because uh, when, the, when, when the devil came and he was tempting Eve, he made it sound like, you know, that God wasn't fully loving them to his fullest potential. He, he put doubt into Eve, right? And so that's why after creation... Um, our humanity was so weak in that we chose because we, we desired the fullness of love. So we were tricked by Satan. And so we did what he wanted of us, which is to turn our backs away from God. And I want to use a powerful image, right? We've all seen and heard stories of how gruesome human trafficking is, right? You know, these young girls or even young boys from different countries are trying to escape to go to, let's say, the USA or along the routes. You know, they're, they're, they're kidnapped, they're abducted, they've been drugged up, all these horror, horror stories. But the difference for them is that they were physically taken away from their homes. They had no choice in the matter. But when we talk about sin, the scary part is that we choose to do it ourselves, right? So I said the young girl who's bound, fighting against being, uh, being bound by ropes by her, by her, cap, by, by her captors, we are handing ourselves over to the evil one saying, bind me. You know, we fall into the sin. We believe in those lies that, you know, I'm not good enough. Or God doesn't love me. I'm just a nobody. No one will know my existence. And so when we start to believe and entertain these thoughts, what happens? We get stuck in this state. And we think this state is normal. That's it for us. There's nowhere else to go. All is hopeless. So we just pretend the life is good. But we continue to, when we come home, we're broken. And we continue to tell the evil one, you know, bind me. I'm starting to believe what you offer uh, for me. And of course, the biggest question then is, what is God doing during this time, right? If God is good, why is he allowing that? We have to remember that God loves us so much. He gave us the gift to choose him, right? He always wants us to choose him. And so he knows how difficult it is to be in this state of sin and, and fearfulness. So what does he do? He hatches up a plan, the history of salvation. He hatches up a plan that says, I want to free my children from all of these things. I want them to live in the light, the freedom, joy, hope, and love. So how does he, how does he, he, he do that, Father Brian? 
Yeah, well, before we get there, I also want to do the whole capture thing. So this past weekend's readings was the reading where there's the dishonest servant mm-hmm. who goes around and tries to make quick deals with people uh, so that when he's disposed as doer, steward, um, he can make a home with them. And in patristics, I found this out when I was prepping my homily, in patristics, that's actually that figure of the uh, dishonest steward is actually the devil. And so he runs around our world trying to say, you're not going to be forgiven of that. Uh, and trying to convince us that we're not loved uh, by God. Mm. And if we buy into that, we make a home for him and for his, for his lies in our woundedness. And, and that's wound essentially yeah. is... Where I should have been loved, I wasn't loved. That's based on the definition of a wound. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so how do I get over that? Well, it's to bring that wound to the ultimate lover who is God. Uh, And to be real about it and to... (laughs) The Lord is truth. And so he's not going to not, you know, heal or not not dismiss it. He's Mm going to engage it um, where we're at. So... I just want to add that, that, and the devil knows as a creature, he's already been disposed. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to war against you and I, because we have a relationship with God that God became man. He didn't become angel. And so because of that, uh, the envy of the devil through the envy of the devil came to death and sin. So we're captured. So we have this capturedness and then we're rescued. We're rescued, and that's the good news. That's the beginning, right? Jesus came to redeem, uh, to come and conquer sin and death, to go to battle mm-hmm. with sin and with death. Jesus is constantly in the Bible, healing, teaching, and making everyone whole. Amen. And he just wants to continue to do that into our time through his church. And so Jesus continually is concerned with us being who we say we are, continually trying to make us integrated, um, to say what we do and to do what we say, uh, to be healed, all those dynamics. And so Jesus is, takes on, and only Jesus can do this, right? So we came into this debt that it's not fair that we have it. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it wasn't, <laughs> the crazier part is, is it's... <laughs> If we want to play the fair card. But Jesus chose, he's God. Jesus chose, became flesh, flesh for us to save us. If we want to talk about unfair, he's the most innocent man, person. He's the most innocent person that there's been. Mm-hmm. And yet he dies for our sin. Knowing that, we're going to mess up sometimes, too. Yeah, Right, knowing that. And so he takes on, and only Jesus can, because he's the only Son of God. Only he can do what he did. And so he embraces his cross um, that that the Father is asking him. And it's to say, the cross is the love of God for me. It's not God's wrath poured into Jesus. It's God saying, I love you. I died for you. Um, and then the good news, right, is Jesus' passion, death, resurrection, and ascension. And so his passion, he takes on our humanity. His death, he dies. He conquers sin and death. Uh, and then in his resurrection, right, comes the new life and his ascension. And through his ascension, sends us the Holy Spirit from heaven. And that's what we have through confirmation. But one of the things that we were just chatting about last week, 
as a presbyterate was uh, from the time that Jesus enters the uh, garden, <laughs> he is very much uh, human. His humanity comes to like yeah. he's he's shedding blood. He's weak. He's um, being they, spit on, yeah. he's being slapped at, he's not doing anything about it. He's God. Nobody can nail God to a cross unless he wanted to be there. Um, and those nails were not holding Jesus on that cross. He's God. So it's out of love of you and I that he stays on that cross when people tried mocking him. Mm -hmm. uh, when people do mock him, actually, so, and oh, even when we mock him yep. in our own in our own ways, and so mm -hmm. he stays on that cross out of loving you, because, and so that's how Jesus conquers sin and death is he does it through his own humanity, taking, being more and more attacked, looking like what sin would be for us, right, ultimate death, um, being that more and more the devil comes in and he tries to pounce on Jesus looking like uh, looking human looking more and more human so that uh, the ultimate trap is set and he ends up conquering sin and death so that's the good news and then so this is our life it comes into the what so we're create we're created we're captured we're rescued and then what's our yep. what's our response then right um, and this is a very tricky uh, thing to talk about. It should be very easy, but we live in a world where something something good like this is way too good. So we're very skeptical. Like, why would God love me? Where's that catch, right? Where's this Catholic guilt, you know? So even before giving God a, a chance and thanking Him for His sacrifice, we're already saying, so what do I owe you, right? That's, that's our natural human tendency. So what do I owe you? Well, I'm not here to talk about that, right? I'm here to ask all of you to go deeper, right? You know, for example, all of you have wonderful families, family and friends that love you. You know, they truly give of themselves um, to you, the ones that care about you the most, the ones that made an impact in your life. Remember those people, right? Did they ever ask for anything in return? No. They keep loving you because it's natural, it's in the heart. They have felt the love before and they want you to experience the same love. In the same way, God is doing the same thing. He's telling all of us, and the scripture says it beautifully, right? He's a jealous lover. He's not going to stop loving us, even if we throw obstacles in his way. So the biggest question is, how do we respond to that type of love where God says, I will not rest, right? I will not rest until you're able to choose me more than any of these things. I won't force myself on you. I'll, I will wait. I will invite and I'll wait for you as long as it takes. Right? So what's our response to this? God has already done everything for us. He's created this beautiful world. He knew that we messed up with our first parents, Adam and Eve, yet he continues to call us back to his loving heart as a father. He sends his only son. He, has not, he held nothing back. He gave the best of all the best for us. In what ways should we respond, right? And of course, if you we truly love someone, then the love should be freely given back. You know, my favorite phrase, it's a mutual love, right? Freely chosen, and but then freely given and freely received. 
That's the best way. So what are the ways that we can respond to God's love? Mass is the most beautiful one. Attending Mass. Why? Because the Eucharist means Thanksgiving. We're thanking God for what He has done in our lives. Or some of the other ways that God has showed us His love? Through the sacraments. Confession. Forgiving us of our sins. Even in the deepest, darkest moments of our hearts. He still says, I love you. And each time I forgive you of your sins, I forgot what you have done. But he also gives us a challenge then saying, Sin's obliterated. Yep. And he says, but go and sin no more. So we're called to be a child of God and his witness. And we should live out the, the gospel value to be a worthy witness of Christ. That's what he's asking for us. And we have beautiful sayings like St. Therese of the Sioux. Do all things out of love to the best of your capabilities, right? A warm smile to the people that you know. Being helpful to your parents, you know, um, seeing someone who's hurt, taking the time to speak to them, finding the marginalized, praying for them. All these are little things of which we can be witnesses of Christ. And most importantly, how are you developing the love for God and the relationship with Him? Are you constantly praying with Him, to Him? Are you also reading the Holy Scriptures because He's left us an imprint of his love for us, we can always go back to it. These are some of the very few things that we can do. Cool, so that's created, captured, rescued response. Also just want to add, God's been waiting all the time Boom. for you to receive his love, for you to accept his love, for you to pursue that love, and for you to give it away, as only you can do. You were created that uniquely and that particularly and that giftedly. All right, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks for listening. May God bless you. And stay holy, my friends. Stop doing what I do. Bye.